Chapter 45 of The Social War of 1900, or The Conspirators and Lovers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Meg Turasek. The Social War of 1900, or The Conspirators and Lovers, by Simon Landis. Chapter 45. Dr. Juno Organizes the Secret Order of Naturalists. Pat, please tell me now about the man of whom you spoke of being drowned, or something to that effect. Maybe he will be of some use to us in freeing our friends and overcoming these bloody conspirators, said Dr. Juno. Certainly. He'll be of use, for he bees very rich and influential, responded Pat. The very man we want to use, if he is alive and ready to expose these dastardly scoundrels. Do you think he will aid us? asked Dr. Juno. Certainly will he, and he bees wide alive, for I drawed him out of the sea a kickin like a big fish said pat go on and tell me how this happened demanded dr juno pat o'connor told him the whole story about harry gossamer with which the reader is already familiar and said mr gossamer has gone west get away from these bloody curmudgeon howsomever he will be a-lookin out for they dirty devils these hypocrites think he bees drowned dead and he bees a-goin to let em think so until he get a chance to expose em said pat do you think he would write to me if i would first write to him and ask him to cooperate with me asked dr juno Yes, sir, but he bees not a goin by his own name, and if you wish to write tell him, I will say a word, so he know all bees right. His name now bees John Williams Jordan, said Pat. Pat, will you assist me in organizing a secret society, where we can lay plots to entrap these demons? I know now of several true and fearless men who will aid me to the death, responded Dr. Juno. Yes, sir, I'll help all that, and if I die with ye all, earnestly said Pat. Dr. Juno cautiously left the house of the general by the side door and reached his office without molestation. He retired, but his brain was so active that he could not sleep for thinking of his darling Lucinda. He planned how he should organize the Order of Naturalists, and as soon as they had enough men indoctrinated into the order, they would free his dear Lucinda. At his next physiological lecture to men alone he proposed to organize a beneficial society at the close of the discourse, but only those who comprehended, appreciated, and were willing to carry out the teachings of nature could become members 
and such he invited to remain in their seats after the audience was dismissed forty remained and after stating to these what was to be the motive and work of the proposed secret order of naturalists ten of them left and thirty remained to be initiated into the order the inner workings of this secret body of apt able and heroic sons of toil were completely and conscientiously practicable which always strengthens men's determination hence fear or favor for mere gain did not belong to their articles of faith but they steered straight ahead as one man who knowing god's holy truth dared maintain it in spite of any and every power that human invention could bring to bear against it the membership increased rapidly and after all their plans and operations were matured dr juno proposed to have jemmy pardoned and miss lucinda armington delivered from her unjust incarceration he said i have been to the eastern penitentiary to see jemmy the former overseer of the help at the west philadelphia insane asylum and he avows that miss lucinda armington is confined in the third story of this lunatic asylum he further says that he was convinced on suspicion that he was instrumental in exposing this foul outrage upon her as well as my incarceration therein but that it was simply suspicion not one particle of proof was produced against him but deacon rob stew made up his mind that he jemmy was a dangerous person hence had him arrested indicted and convicted and although jemmy was guilty in aiding my escape as also in the exposure of miss armington's imprisonment still they could not prove it on him therefore if at any time these same bloody conspirators or their leader rob stew should become suspicious of any other man they would dispatch him as they did myself miss armington jemmy or mr harry gossamer with the sad story of the latter and his miraculous rescue from drowning by the cunning and noble pat o'connor you must all be familiar hence we should make a move in the right direction by freeing the beloved daughter of general washington armington who has been driven to real insanity by the villainous abduction and concealment of miss armington i have thought this matter carefully over and i have come to the conclusion that we can go boldly to this hell-hole asylum where miss armington is confined some evening about nine o'clock and by all being armed to the teeth more for show than deathly work and one man asking permission at the outside gate and upon the keeper opening it we all rush in gagging and binding him and everyone else as we go along leaving several to guard them and the gate whilst the rest march straight for the third story to release miss armington 
knocking down, gagging, and binding, or imprisoning all who have a voice in the asylum, or who interfere with our work. And after having freed Miss Armington, hinting boldly to the physician-in-chief and managers who may be about that we charge them to be very cautious how they move against us by way of exposing this work of liberating an abducted citizen, I am convinced that such a course will be successful, because they dare not arrest me, nor any of you for having made the assault upon the accursed institution for fear of an exposure and speedy downfall of the bloody clique. Surely, Dr. Juno is a deep-sighted brother, whose course of action in this direction is beyond a doubt the best, and will be attended with the pleasing results of releasing the distressed young Lady Armington, as well as give these bloody hounds a taste of a mysterious and deeply strategic movement by a rival organization, which would almost scare the life out of the whole bloody clique, because they know they are guilty of numerous foul deeds, and therefore the members, like cutthroats and thieves, would fear each bush to be an officer, or an avenger of the wrong these innocent parties have suffered at their hands, said a member of the order. Yes, sir, brother, replied Dr. Juno, you are perfectly right, and I propose that we meet here next Thursday evening, sharp at eight o'clock, each member bringing a revolver, dirk, blackjack, and any other weapon of death that he may possess. For I mean work, fight, death, or freedom. I have been long enough stigmatized and branded by these bloody conspirators and their followers as being cruel, low, vile, and criminal. Therefore, the hour has arrived when it behooves me to accept the game of the name they gave me and I shall be indefatigable, fight, and, if necessary, show the black flag, by striking the vipers dead without mercy or quarters. Think for one moment what I have endured whilst thrown into that loathsome felon's cell in the county prison, for publishing a useful and truthful scientific physiological book, Think of the many wily plans that were laid for my ruination and destruction by these human fiends, and then ask me to be any longer merciful, as well ask God for the devil to yield their fixed intentions, and ask me to change the even tenor of my course. I therefore ask you to join me on the evening of next Thursday when I will general you for the first time through these devils' ground. End of chapter 45 Recording by Meg Turasek.